The Lord is full of compassion and mercy, slow to anger and of great kindness. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. On the night of November 14th, 1940, the city of Coventry, an industrial center in the West Midlands of England, was firebombed for 11 hours by the German Luftwaffe. In one night, two thirds of the city's buildings were damaged or destroyed and nearly 600 people lost their lives. An attempt was made to save St. Michael's Cathedral, a medieval church that had stood in the city center since the 14th century, but the bombs were falling too fast and the cathedral was soon engulfed in a firestorm. By the next morning, the tower was still standing, but the church itself was a hollowed out shell. That morning, while surveying the ruins, a local priest found three large medieval nails used to construct the cathedral's roof. And taking some wire, he fashioned them into a cross and presented it to the Bishop of Coventry. After the war had ended, that cross of nails became a symbol of an international community of reconciliation. More nails were taken from the ruined cathedral and crosses were sent to churches and Christian communities around the world that were dedicating themselves to the work of peace and justice and reconciliation, to the work of forgiveness. Many of those crosses now stand in German churches, including the rebuilt Frauenkirche, a Lutheran church in Dresden that was completely destroyed in the bombing of that city by allied forces more than four years after the Coventry Blitz, a three-day offensive that killed nearly 25,000 people. Out of the atrocities of war, a network of over 200 communities has emerged with a commitment to proclaiming the hope of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And every Friday in those places, the cross of nails is brought out and a litany of reconciliation is prayed. The seminary that Mother Suzanne and I both attended is one of those communities. And for three years, every week, I had the invitation to kneel next to my classmates and ask God's forgiveness for the sinful patterns of humanity using words that are now carved into the ruins of Coventry Cathedral. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
the hatred which divides nation from nation, race from race, class from class. Father, forgive. The covetous desires of people and nations to possess what is not their own. Father, forgive. The greed which exploits the work of human hands and lays waste the earth. Father, forgive. Our envy of the welfare and happiness of others. Father, forgive. Our indifference to the plight of the imprisoned, the homeless, the refugee. Father, forgive. The lust which dishonors the bodies of men, women, and children. Father, forgive. The pride which leads us to trust in ourselves and not in God. Father, forgive. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Peter asks Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus replies, not seven times I tell you, but 77 times. Or in some translations, seven times 70 times. In other words, as many times as you can count, more times than you can count as many times as it takes. Friends, what a tall order our Lord gives us in his words to Peter. What a tall order we are given in that parable Jesus tells to explain this to the disciples, wherein a king hands over his unforgiving slave to be tortured, and we hear, so my heavenly father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Is that it then? A simple roadmap to eternal forgiveness? Forgive the one who harmed you and you're safe? Don't and you're not? I don't know. I can't imagine telling a mother in Coventry looking for her children among the rubble, that if she could just forgive what had happened, then everything would be all right. Or the same of the carnage of Dresden or the evil of the Nazi concentration camps. How many deaths in war, how many enslaved persons, how many victims of genocide or terrorism or domestic violence does it take? to exhaust Jesus' instruction to forgive. Seven times? 77 times? Jesus commands to forgive one another, to love enemies, to bless those who persecute, are not easy. And in times of great injustice, might even seem to be very, very cruel. And perhaps difficult not only in times of war and great suffering, but also in those everyday ways that we hurt one another. 
fights with a friend or a partner or a parent, hurtful words and hurtful deeds, broken promises. But friends, at the center of this story is not a cold and distant deity as some would make God out to be. At the heart of Jesus' command to forgive is neither a God who doesn't really care what we do to ourselves or one another, nor a God who issues out divine decrees and watches behind some judge's bench as we either pass or fail. No, at the heart of this story is a person and a cross. Jesus' call to forgive comes to us from the road to Jerusalem, where he will meet his own death. In Jerusalem, a cross. In the rubble of Coventry, a cross. A God who creates us and then abandons us to our suffering and expects us to forgive each other would be a cruel God indeed. But a God on a cross, a God who suffers with us, who sheds divinity to take up our humanity, that is a God who knows the price of forgiveness. That is a God who knows the horror of a bombed out city, the horror of a gas chamber, the horror of a COVID ward, of an AIDS ward. That is the God who knows the tears of a mother of a black son shot in the back by a police officer. That is the God revealed in Jesus Christ. Forgive 77 times, Jesus tells Peter, before he's arrested, condemned to die, and hung on a cross, abandoned by Peter and the other disciples. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave, the king asks, a debt of just a hundred denarii, after forgiving that same one, a debt of 10,000 talents, hundreds of thousands the times, the value of the other. We are told to forgive, knowing that God has forgiven us of the sin that clings so close, that in his death and resurrection, Jesus has destroyed the powers of sin and death and violence and forgiven us, forgiven us our tendencies towards war and oppression and white supremacy, forgiven us our lack of imagination in a world that produces more than enough food to feed everyone, and yet can't seem to get it to those who need it most. Forgiven our selfishness and our greed and the ways we so often prioritize our own comfort and self-preservation above the love of neighbor. Forgiven the stupid ways we hurt each other, the ones we love the most. Forgiven our hardness of heart, our refusal to listen. In Jesus, God has forgiven us a debt that 10,000 talents could never repay, 
that 70 times 70 times 70 times 70 doesn't come close to describing. Jesus asks us to repent of the ways we hurt one another and invites us at the same time to forgive others, to forgive the ones who have hurt us. And he's given us the language to do this. We practice it every time we say the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Without Jesus, there is no hope of forgiveness because Jesus himself is forgiveness. Without Jesus, there is no hope for the reconciliation that follows forgiveness because Jesus has reconciled us to God and to one another. Without Jesus, there is no hope because this is hard and we don't have a very good track record on our own. But friends, let us take heart. With God's help, we can be agents of forgiveness in our own lives and in this world desperately in need of reconciliation, trusting that we can do this work because we have been forgiven ourselves. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Amen.